Welcome to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast, a deep dive into biblical leadership with pastor and author, Dr. Gerald Brooks. Hi, this is Pastor Gerald Brooks. Um, Thank you so much for taking a few moments to um, listen to the podcast. Uh, Today, I'm going to do the first part of two podcasts that I think are going to maybe uh, create some dialogue for those of you in leadership positions and maybe with your team. Uh, I want to talk to you about staff stuff, the who, the what, and the when. Uh, In our society, there's a phrase that's used frequently. It's called the daily minimum requirements. It's intended to help us. It started as a phrase used to describe uh, nutrients and vitamins that every individual needs. So if you pick up a vitamin and you look at the bottle, it will say these are the daily minimum requirements. Well, that phrase has begun to segue into other parts of our society and people begin to talk about daily minimum requirements. The thing is, is that it has become an excuse in a lot of places. People want to know what are the minimum requirements. So if I could start like this, imagine nearly 39 years ago when uh, I'm talking to my wife, Jenny, and I ask her to marry me and I look at Jenny and I ask her this question, what are the minimum requirements? What is the minimum number of times I need to tell you that I love you? What is the minimum amount of time that I need to be thoughtful? What is the minimum amount of time that I need to invest in being considerate? What is the minimum amount of time that I need to uh, be involved in our relationship? Well, I think everyone out there would understand that uh, minimum requirements don't work in marriage. No one gets into a relationship and looks for minimum requirements. What I know as a husband, what my wife knows, is that requirements change. There aren't minimum requirements. Marriage doesn't work based on minimum requirements. Well, let's take it a few years later. Let's say that uh, when we have our first child, that I look and I say, what are the minimum requirements? What are the minimum number of diapers I need to change to be a good parent? What is the minimum amount of time I need to spend with my child to be a good parent? What is the minimum amount of money I need to spend on my kid? I think anyone hearing this podcast would say, if you're asking those kind of questions, then you probably don't need to be a parent. Why? Because everyone knows that parenting isn't based on minimum requirements. So let's just go back. We know marriage doesn't work on minimum requirements. We know that parenting doesn't work on minimum requirements. But yet, in those two areas, we get it. But people will enter into ministry and they ask that question. What are the minimum requirements? What is the minimum amount of time I need to be at church? What is the minimum amount of time that I need to give my heart? What I want to say to you in the way that marriage doesn't work with minimum requirements and parenting doesn't work with minimum requirements, 
ministry does not work with minimum requirements. Yet, there is a mindset out there among many who are always looking for the minimum requirements. What is the bare minimum I have to do to be involved in ministry? So, let's take it a step forward and let's talk about ministry requirements. What is required and of whom is it required? A few years ago, uh, I was in a meeting and in that meeting, this question evolved. In fact, most everything that I write starts as a question that I was asked. And the question was, what do you require of staff? When do you require it of staff? And of whom do you describe that staff is being? So what is required and of whom is it required? Now, let me just start by answering that question and say there always have been different opinions on the expectations of requirements. It's not just different opinions in our day, but it's different opinions that go all the way back to the very beginning of the church. Because in Acts chapter 15 and verse 39, it says that there was a contention that became so sharp between Barnabas and Paul regarding what were the requirements of a young minister named John Mark. The dispute was so intense that they parted ways. Why? Because Barnabas had a view of what the requirements were. Paul had a view of what the requirements were. They were different. And because those requirements were different, there was a dispute. If we just look at that verse alone, what it tells us is one size doesn't fit all. I cannot on this podcast give you one size. I can't say this is the one thing and it works for everyone. If we look at that verse, here's what we know. Paul's view was extreme. He tended to take a very extreme view of what someone should do when they are focused and following in ministry. Barnabas, on the other hand, he was laid back. He didn't tend to take the strictest level. Now, the interesting thing is, is that we know both views ended up working. We know that Paul's view worked, and he ended up writing two-thirds of the New Testament. We also know that Barnabas' view worked. The reason we know is that church history tells us that both of them went on to have successful ministries. Paul did, Barnabas did, and we know that John Mark did, even in the midst of disputes. So I think the first thing that we have to acknowledge is that there are different opinions, and there are different expectations And we get that. Now, let me transition forward. And let me just start this way. If you're a senior pastor, you need to understand, and you've got to understand, that few will be as bought in as you are. Now, if I could just take this illustration and use it in my case. Some 39 years ago, I went into ministry. But 34 years ago... I started this church. This church started with God giving me a dream, God giving me a vision. It started after an extended time of prayer. Can I tell you something? When it starts with you, your views tend to be greater than anyone else's view. I live for this church and in many ways die for this church. But what I have to understand 
is that the people on staff around me, except for a couple, few will be as bought in as I am. So in 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes in uh, chapter 3 and verse 8, he says, For now we live if you stand fast in the Lord. Do you get what Paul said? He said that I live, I have life when the ministry is going well. When the ministry is happening and you're doing well, then we live. That's a pretty powerful statement. What I can tell you, and it's not negative, I've had a lot of people on my staff, but most of them live very, very well, whether the ministry's going well or not. If the ministry's going through a struggle, doesn't stress them out at all. They're going home, they're sleeping well, they're eating well, they're responding well. Why? Because very few will be as bought in as the senior leader. In Philippians chapter 2 and verse 20, Paul says, For I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state. He was saying, no one thinks like I think. No one has the mindset that I have. No one thinks about this and, and takes the deep dive into the thought patterns regarding this the way I do. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29, he says, Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? He's saying again, my well-being is tied directly to the people that I'm ministering to. When the people that I'm ministering to are doing well, I do well. What is he describing? He's describing an attitude that few are going to have. He says it. He said, there's no one like-minded. There's no one who thinks on these terms. So as much as I, as a senior pastor, wish that everyone on my team thought and felt like I thought and felt, the Bible makes it clear that there are going to be people who will not have the same mindset towards ministry. They will not think in the same depth towards ministry that I do. They are going to be fine, whether the ministry's fine we're those of us that have birthed ministries. It's just our child. We hurt with our kids. We thrive with our kids. If our kids are doing well, we do well. If our kids are doing poorly, we don't do well. And so that is a part. Here's one of the things you have to understand. You are an owner. See, I'm an owner when it comes to this ministry. And, and being an owner, you think differently. You just think differently. If I could illustrate it this way, I travel all the time. And because I travel all the time, um, I have to rent vehicles. Well, I know people say you don't have to do it, but I get the insurance. The insurance that says, hey, if anything happens to this vehicle, uh, I don't have to pay a thing. I get it that people say my uh, credit card covers that and my personal or my business insurance covers that. But I like knowing that if something happens to that vehicle, I just get to walk away. I don't have to turn around and think about it. Don't have to spend a moment on it. You know why? Because I'm not the owner. I'm going to sit there. Literally, I was in Naples, Florida. I backed up, ran into a pole. The back bumper is literally dangling down. I go over to the hotel we're at, ask them to valet this. They look at the back bumper and they said, you know, we didn't do this. And I said, well, I know I did do it. They said, does it bother you? I said, no, I've got insurance. I'm going to drive it in. I'm going to drop it off. I'm going to leave and I'm going to sleep well. Well, 
that's because I'm not the owner. And there's a difference between being an owner and a renter. And see, in ministry, you know that there are people who own it and there are people who are renting it. For a period of time, it's theirs. But when that lease is over, when that moment's over, they're going to turn in that ministry and they're going to walk away and it's not going to be a consideration to them. So as the key leader, the first thing I have to understand is that not everyone's going to own things the way I own them. And I have to understand that some people around me are renting. Uh, and some of them are renting to buy. The way that you can go do cer- uh, furniture and you can say, hey, I want to rent to buy that I may want to keep this. Uh, there are people on my staff who are making the decision, is this the long-term journey for them? Now, they're renting and they're planning on buying, but they still have the back door. And then there are people who just rent. They, they know that it's a limited amount of time. And even though we may be totally bought into them, they're not totally bought into us. And we get it. I have a dear friend. His name's Tony Cook. When I first did this message, he said, you need to add a fourth characteristic. He said, there are owners. There are people who rent to buy and there are renters. But he said, there's also squatters, people who are none of the above. They're just going to be there and they want to see if it's going to help their ministry. And if it doesn't help their ministry, they're going to move on pretty quick. So the first thing that you deal with is that you deal with the reality that there are requirements in ministry. Not everyone's going to agree on those requirements. You have to understand if you're in the senior level of leadership that you view ministry differently And because you view ministry differently, it's because you're an owner and not everyone's going to be an owner. But I think number two, what we know is that requirements are progressive. And James chapter three and verse one, it says, my brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we will receive a stricter judgment. Now, that's a very interesting verse, because what that verse says is, The higher you go, the more that's required. And see, that's the interesting thing. A lot of people start in ministry and they want to go higher, but they don't want their responsibilities to increase. You don't increase your ministry without increasing your responsibilities. And so the Bible says to whom much is given, much is required. It doesn't say that you'll be given much and little is required. The requirements increase based on how much you've been given. See, I watch around our church and and people want to be on the stage. Here's what I know. When you step on the stage, the requirements have changed for you. Because you can be in ministry and never be on the stage. But when you step on that stage, you're going visible. And when you step on that stage, the requirements change. And if I could put it in today's terminology, you can't have status without cost. But a lot of people do want increased status, but they do not want increased responsibility. So to anyone who is on staff, I think the Bible is crystal clear that when it comes to being on staff, if you want to go higher, more is going to be required of you. And you can't be asking the question, 
well, how can I get more without doing more? And that seems to be the dichotomy. That seems to be the dividing line. Because people are very comfortable with their responsibilities when they begin in ministry, but they want their ministry to grow. And as the ministry begins to grow around them, they still want to have the responsibility level that they had when they first began. But the truth of the matter is the Bible declares that that cannot happen. It says, when you begin to move into new levels of ministry, teachers, you're going to be seen, you're going to be heard, you're going to be known then there's a stricter judgment. The Bible makes it clear that God's looking at you differently. Whether you look at you differently, God's looking at you differently. Whether you understand there's a difference, God understands. Here's one of the interesting things to me. I've watched people who are non-Christians, and they watch ministers. And when they watch ministers, they will come back and say, well, they did this. They shouldn't be doing that. You know what that sinner's saying? That sinner's saying they get it. They understand that the higher someone is in ministry, the expectations change. Because that's what they're saying. You don't get to have small expectations in large ministry. The larger the ministry, the greater the expectations. So, thought number two, the requirements are progressive. The next thing, Standards must be clearly communicated repeatedly. Now, if I could go back to that uh, point about saying that senior leaders are owners, I would say that in my case, there have been times when I have failed in this. See, I've done ministry so long that there are values and there are ways of thinking about ministry, I just take it for granted. I just assume everyone thinks that way. I assume everyone gets it. I assume everyone understands it. I assume that everyone really recognizes that, hey, if you're in ministry, this is the expectation. And many times when you've been in ministry a long time and you've been over the same ministry a long time, you don't communicate as clearly, and you don't repeat it. Here's what I want to say to every leader. You'll never say it often enough. You will never say whatever the standards are for your ministry. You will never say it often enough. You'll never say it clearly enough. You're always going to have to be coming up with ways that you say it clearer. You know, um, I do a series of lessons. I call it uh, GOC, Grace Outreach Center 101. Honestly, over 34 years, I've taught that hundreds, maybe thousands of times. There are people on my staff that have been with me a long time. They've heard it hundreds and thousands of times. But... I constantly have to repeat it. Why? Because there's new people. And new people don't know what we stand for. And there are old people who forget what we stand for. So you never say it often enough. You never say it clearly enough. I had the opportunity to go to the headquarters of Chick-fil-A and um, was in some meetings uh, dialoguing with uh, 
some of their key thinkers, the individuals that really are the leadership behind the Chick-fil-A uh, culture. And one of the things that they made clear is they said, if you are going to be successful in their kind of industry, you have to constantly communicate the culture and the value. You have to. You have to communicate it constantly. He put it in such a great way. He said, um, we know that we're going to have a 100% turnover rate, that we are going to be the first job that a lot of 16-year-olds have. But he said, very few 16-year-olds that work at Chick-fil-A are saying, hey, this is where I want to work the rest of my life, and this is where I'm going to uh, be a part of. We're their first job. We may be their second job. We're not their last job. We know that we are going to have new employees all the time. And therefore, if we do not repeat constantly and continually and clearly, we will not be able to send the value of who we are down. Now, that being said, standards must be clearly communicated repeatedly. Um, we've got to say point number four. Not everyone is the same. When it comes to understanding the standards, not everyone is the same. In fact, the verse that we read in uh, James chapter 3 and verse 1, it would indicate that. That more is required of people who are visible than those who are less visible. But here it is. Um, not everyone's the same. People sometimes say, well, what about staff? Well, uh, to be honest with you, the Bible's pretty clear about staff. Anyone who's going to be in a staff position, it's covered in Timothy, it's covered in uh, Titus, it's covered about how they are to live their lives, how they are to function in life, how they are to process life. There are about 17 requirements between Titus and, and Timothy that are mentioned. Uh, that's really not up for dispute. If you're going to dare go into ministry, then the Bible has given a very, very clear standard. And it says there's a way you live your life, there's a way you conduct your life, there's a way you process your life, and there are biblical standards. So when it comes to people who are in staff positions and they're going to be in full-time ministry, um, there are 17 requirements that are listed in those two uh, New Testament um, pastoral epistles that really do describe what life is to be like. So those aren't my standards, those are God's standards. And if someone's in ministry and they have a problem with those standards, uh, it's not my group they're having a problem with. It's God that they're having a problem with. God's not going to change his standards, whether you're young or old, whether you've served a little or you've served a lot. Uh, it's just clear. There are ways that you live your life, and you live your life in those particular ways. But then there's volunteers, and this is where it gets a little bit murky. What do you do with volunteers? Well... To be honest with you, volunteers don't have the same standards. Now, is there to be a heart condition that's created? Yes, we've talked in other podcasts that volunteers are to be taught the heart of servanthood. But even then, the standards are not the same. The standards are a little bit different. But then there's people who just attend your church. Well, what are the standards there? They're different. See, uh, if you're staff and you're full-time in ministry... The Bible's clear, clear about those standards. If you're a volunteer and you're just helping out, um, the standard's a little bit different. 
if you're just attending the church, the standards are a little bit different from that. So you have to understand that not everyone is the same. Let me give you a fifth thought, and then we're going to conclude. It's all right to have house rules. It's all right to have house rules. If I can put it to you this way, um, in the Brooks house growing up, we had house rules. There were rules that were unique to our house. And those weren't rules that I know everybody else who had kids had. They were the rules that Jenny and I set and Jenny and I lived by. And we said, these are the house rules. Well, one of the things that I can tell you is that it's all right for any church and any ministry to have house rules. These are not necessarily the biblical standards. They're more how you translate those standards into the culture of your church. And and let me say, when I talk to ministers, most struggles are over house rules. They're not over biblical rules. They're over house rules. And they're just ways that you do things. So, let me just put it to you this way. One of our house rules is this. And I realize that uh, pastors view things different, but our leaders always park the farthest away. That is a house rule to me. The house rule is just a very simple rule. We always prefer everyone else above ourselves. If it's going to be difficult for someone, we want it to be more difficult to us than the person who's kicking the tires of church and saying, is God even real? So we are going to park the furthest away. So if you come to our church, I don't have a pastor's parking space. There's no sign there that says that. Now, I don't have a problem with any church that has a pastor's parking space, uh, but at ours, it's the house rule. Uh, We all park far away. Now, is that a biblical standard? No, it's our house standard. We always park far away. We always want to make it easier for others. Another one of our standards is we're punctual. We start on time. That is a house standard. I have people who will come and they'll say, hey, I wish the worship was longer. And I look at them and I say, if you showed up on time, it would be longer. Why? Because a lot of people don't know the house rule. They don't know that we're going to be punctual. We're going to start on time. That is a part. I want to value other people's time and I want people to value my time and our church's time. So we're going to be punctual. Well, another one of our house rules is uh, that we always sit up front. I don't want my leaders in the back hanging out in the hallway. I want them up front. Because when you have leaders hanging in the hallway, someone who's young in the Lord, they think that when you become a leader, you hang in the hallway. I don't want anyone who's young in the Lord to get the impression that you hang in the hallway. I want them to get the impression when church is going on, we do church. Well, those are house rules. I go to other churches. Those are not the house rules, but we communicate those. We communicate where we're going to park. We communicate where we're going to sit. We communicate where we're going to, when we're going to start, and we stick to it. Those are house rules. So people who come on, uh, they know that those are the house rules, that they're giving that opportunity, and it all communicates our values. When you become a leader, you lose the right to think about yourself. We're going to think about others when it comes to where we park. We're going to think about others when it comes to hanging out in hallways or just hanging out around the coffee shop. 
We are going to think differently when it comes time to start a service. I mean, honestly, when it comes to our coffee shop, when the service starts, the coffee stops. Why? Coffee is not more important than the ministry of God. So we want to be punctual. So uh, most struggles are over house rules. If you've never written down your house rules, you need to write them down. If there's not a plan to continually communicate them, you need to continually communicate them. Don't assume people know. Why? The house rules, they are the way that you do things, and you have to clarify them. Not only what you do, but why you do it. As I said, this is going to be a a two-part podcast. This is uh, the opening part. And um, in a couple of weeks, uh, we'll have the second part where we sort of dig down a little bit deeper on what's required, when it's required, and of whom is it required. Thanks so much. As I mentioned at the beginning, this is one of the lessons I do at roundtables. And every year we do new roundtables. We'll be starting our, our new material in January here at my church in Plano. But if you ever want to go onto our webpage, it'll list them, list where our roundtables are going to be. And those are highly interactive moments. I think you'll be blessed if you've never uh, gone to one. Thank you so much for all that you do. Thank you for what you do for the kingdom. We're proud of you. Thank you for listening to the Gerald Brooks Leadership Podcast. If you'd like more information on Dr. Brooks's books, audio, or speaking engagements, please go to GeraldBrooksMinistries.com.